This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. In today's headlines, a flight cancellation calamity. Southwest continues to cancel flights through the week, stranding customers, and it's drawn the ire of the federal government. Title 42 will be kept in place, at least for now. The Supreme Court ruled that it will remain as legal disputes play out. The policy allows officials to quickly expel illegal immigrants. Worth thousands of myocarditis records removed from the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. That's what some doctors were alleging on social media yesterday. The clock strikes midnight on TikTok in the U.S. House. The lower chamber of Congress bans the app on all of its devices, but some lawmakers want to take it a step further. And with the new year approaching, we have some advice from a psychiatrist on how to best keep your New Year's resolutions. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Evelyn Lee. Good morning. Today is Wednesday, December 28th. And while we're going through the last few days of 2022, the federal government is investigating Southwest Airlines. They want to find out why the company lagged so far behind other carriers during the holiday winter storm. The airline has canceled more than 12,000 flights since Friday and says it will operate at roughly a third of its capacity for the next several days. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the cancellation catastrophe. You ain't going nowhere. You ain't, you ain't going nowhere. Southwest Airlines continued to cancel flights on Tuesday. Around 2,600 more flights were scrubbed on the East Coast by late afternoon. According to the flight tracking service FlightAware, that accounts for over 80% of the roughly 3,000 trips canceled nationwide on Tuesday. Aside from cancellations, many wary travelers were faced with the challenge of finding their luggage. Thousands of bags have piled up in airports around the country, waiting for their rightful owners to claim them. Some customers are more understanding than others. I think it's a time to be kind and generous, and it is what it is. So I'll stand, I'll wait, and it'll show up when it shows up. Southwest didn't want to pay for anything. Um, they didn't want to reimburse me. They didn't want to put me in a hotel, so I dished out extra money to fly with American Airlines, and I finally got here. The cancellations left many passengers stranded who don't have it in their budget to switch to another airline. I think they need somebody, somebody to be able to say something, even if it's a recording telling the people that, what you know, something, you, you know, just to calm them down because everybody's not going to become like me and my daughter. Well, it's an element of surprise. So um, we wasn't uh, anticipating this type of um, calamity, what I would call it right now. And the cancellation calamity could continue through the week. Southwest canceled around 2,500 flights Wednesday and nearly 1,400 for Thursday as it tries to restore order to its schedule. The airline's cancellations on Tuesday were 30 times more than the carrier with the second most cancellations, Spirit Airlines. Southwest's CEO Bob Jordan issued a video apology to passengers and employees. He says the main driver of the problem was the winter storm. We're doing everything we can to return to a normal operation. And please also hear that I'm truly sorry. But the federal government wants to know why Southwest is lagging so far behind its competitors in returning to normalcy. 
Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says the weather problem doesn't explain why the airline can't locate baggage and doesn't even know where its own crews are. As I'm looking at the different airlines, most of them are in the low single digits in terms of cancellation rates, uh, averaging, averaging about 5% for all of the other airlines. Uh, for Southwest right now, we appear to be north of 70%. Buttigieg says federal regulations mandate that in situations where the airline is responsible, vouchers for hotels and restaurants need to be offered without the customer requesting them. He says he talked with the airline CEO about going above and beyond to make things right. A passenger shouldn't have to request that. They need to be proactively offering that. He pledged that they would, and again, we'll be watching to make sure that they follow through. The second vice president of Southwest Airlines Pilots Association says the meltdown was self-perpetuated due to massive reassignment of pilots and a lack of IT infrastructure to facilitate that process. If you look at our competitors, Right here in Denver, uh, United Airlines, for instance, they went through the, the exact same weather system as we did. Um, and they're, A, they didn't cancel as many flights, and B, their recovery is extremely, uh, it's very expeditious versus us. We're still recovering. In Congress, the Senate Commerce Committee has also promised an investigation. Two Senate Democrats are calling on Southwest to provide significant compensation for stranded travelers. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Western New York got about four feet of snow during the Christmas blizzard. State police are clearing abandoned vehicles from the snow-covered roads. They have to be moved to clear the way for plows and emergency vehicles. Park police are also delivering water and emergency meals to people in need. Some residents have to walk a mile or more in lanes cut by snow plows to buy food. Western New York was the hardest hit by the recent Arctic deep freeze and storm front. It covered most of the U.S. as far south as the Mexican border. State and military police were sent in yesterday to enforce Buffalo's driving ban. Authorities warned that police will be set up at entrances to the city and at major intersections. Officials are calling the storm in western New York the deadliest in at least two generations. They say at least 30 people died during the blizzard and expect to find more as the snow is cleared or melts. The stunning power of nature is on full display along Lake Michigan. A lakeside shop in Wisconsin is frozen solid after the powerful storm moved through. The small shop is called Simply Scandinavian. High winds before Christmas sent huge waves over the shore and covered the shop in water. Freezing temperatures put the shop inside what the shop owner estimates to be a foot thick of ice. She says it built up over two or three days of high winds and waves. So even though the Mother Nature has created some incredible artwork for us, <laughs> it is a bit worrisome due to the weight that's on the building. But uh, um, we're betting on the brave little shop doing just fine with its tough Nordic jeans and pulling through for us. I'm sure this little shop has... Uh, endured many storms, but uh, this definitely is um, one of the largest ice buildup that any local can remember in, in the history of this building. The shop owner hopes the warmer temperatures this week will give the little shop some relief and thaw off some of the weight, but she thinks it will be a while until the whole building is visible again. Title 42 will be kept in place, at least for now. The U.S. Supreme Court rule it will remain as legal disputes play out. The policy was aimed at stopping the spread of COVID-19 and allowed officials to quickly expel illegal immigrants. 
In a 5-4 vote on Tuesday, the High Court granted a request by a group of Republican state attorneys general to put on hold a judge's decision invalidating the emergency public health order known as Title 42, while it considered whether they could intervene to challenge the ruling that 19 states have already opposed. The states argued that lifting the policy could lead to an increase in already record border crossings. President Joe Biden told reporters that the Supreme Court is expected to reach a ruling on the Title 42 immigration case by June. And in the meantime, the administration would have to enforce it, but he thought ending it was overdue. The policy was first implemented in March 2020 under Republican former President Donald Trump at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Democrat president kept the restrictions in place for more than a year after taking office in 2021. In the 2022 fiscal year, which ended September 30th, U.S. Border Patrol agents apprehended a record 2.2 million migrants at the southwest border. The Supreme Court said it would hear arguments over the policy in its February session. The popular China-owned video app TikTok has been banned from all U.S. House of Representatives managed devices. The move imitates a law soon going into effect banning the app from U.S. government devices. The House stated the app is considered high risk due to a number of security issues and must be deleted from all devices managed by it. The new rule follows a series of moves by U.S. state governments to ban TikTok from government devices. As of last week, 19 states have at least partially blocked the app from state-managed devices. There are fears that the Chinese regime could use the app to track Americans and censor content. The U.S. House sent a message to staff saying anyone with TikTok on their device would be contacted about removing it, and future downloads of the app were prohibited. U.S. lawmakers have put forward a proposal to implement a nationwide ban on the app. An Arizona judge yesterday denied Democratic Governor-elect Katie Hobbs' request to sanction her opponent, Carrie Lake. Lake had filed a lawsuit alleging that problems with ballot printers on Election Day were the result of intentional misconduct. The Superior Court in Maricopa County ruled against that suit on Saturday. On Monday, Hobbs and the Maricopa County Deputy Attorney asked the court to sanction Lake and her attorneys. They alleged that Lake had filed a groundless lawsuit for a frivolous pursuit. Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Peter Thompson said in Tuesday's ruling that Lake's claims in the lawsuit were not groundless. He stated that Lake failing to meet the burden of convincing evidence does not mean her claims were groundless and presented in bad faith. The vaccine adverse event reporting system was trending on Twitter yesterday. There were reports that around 32,000 records of myocarditis and pericarditis were removed from its database. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more. Dr. Naomi Wolf discussed the CDC and myocarditis in a video published December 21st. That CDC, meaning Dr. Walensky, has removed 32,000 plus records of myocarditis and pericarditis from the VARS database. Wolf says the records were removed between September of 2022 and December of 2022. 
She says the job of the head of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, is to monitor safety signals in VAERS. Wolf alleges that Walensky is covering her tracks. She also doesn't believe it is a coincidence that this is occurring after Governor Ron DeSantis recently announced a vaccine injury inquiry. In related news, Dr. Jessica Rose discussed myocarditis reports on VAERS. She says there were five times higher reporting in the domestic data of myocarditis events for young people, mainly boys, after dose two. But she says the foreign data set in VAERS showed that the incidence of myocardial lesions were 800 times higher than the usual incidence after the third shot. But she says the safety signal of this foreign data is now gone and can no longer be seen in VAERS. It's not missing because of a mistake. It's missing because this data was removed. Meanwhile, Senator Ron Johnson took part in a roundtable discussion on COVID-19 vaccine efficacy and safety on December 7th. He pointed out that 18% of suspected COVID vaccination-related deaths occurred between days zero and two of application. I know VAERS doesn't prove causation, but that sure got my attention. One of the speakers at the event was Liz Wilner, founder of OpenVAERS.com. She is the mother of a child she says was vaccine injured. According to Senator Johnson, she found the VAERS database cumbersome and inaccessible, so she built the OpenVAERS database. Wilner says VAERS is functioning as it should, as an early warning system, but nobody is paying attention. Every life matters. This is a safety signal that is screaming with nobody paying attention, and that needs to change. She presented figures before and after the COVID vaccine introduction for the U.S. The data shows a 4,800% increase in reports of death after vaccination, from 193 per year between 1990 and 2020 to nearly 16,000 per year from 2021 to 2022. The data also shows a nearly 3,000% increase in hospitalization, 2,000% increase in disabilities, and 2,100% increase in life-threatening events. The CDC website maintains that the known risks of COVID-19 outweigh the potential risks of having a rare adverse reaction to vaccination. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Coming up, the Food and Drug Administration is set to fast-track a review on an opioid antidote. The drug, effective in treating overdoses, is aimed at countering the ongoing fentanyl crisis. And a new year is arriving, and so begins preparation for the Tournament of Roses Parade. Roses from around the world flood into California to make the parade spectacular. Get the story when we come back. Welcome back. While the COVID outbreak worsens in mainland China, Chinese Communist Party officials are trying to cover it up and are easing restrictions. On December 27th, China's National Health Commission said there were no large numbers of deaths during its so-called first wave of infections. But videos leaking from mainland China tell a different story. Some Chinese netizens leaked an emergency notice from a funeral home in Beijing. It was issued on December 19th. It forbids anyone from accepting interviews from media or any organization and forbids discussions about or the leaking of funeral home data or working conditions. It also prohibits filming and taking photos or sending work-related information via WeChat, email, Weibo or other social media platforms. The notice says if anyone doesn't obey, serious consequences will follow. 
While the situation worsens in China, the CCP is dropping its restrictions. The country is scrapping quarantines for inbound international traveler, travelers starting January 8th. And now the U.S. is thinking about implementing new coronavirus measures for people traveling from China. The Food and Drug Administration says it will prioritize an over-the-counter opium antidote. It's an effort to mitigate the ongoing fentanyl crisis in the U.S. The naloxone nasal spray has recently been submitted for review following calls by public health experts and the FDA to make it readily available. Drugs on the review fast track can provide significant improvements in the treatment, diagnosis, or prevention of serious conditions. The synthetic opioid fentanyl is linked to tens of thousands of annual deaths in the U.S. A recent bill introduced in California would require the drug on K-12 school campuses after several students overdosed. The FDA is expected to make a final decision by the end of April 2023. Officials in Ohio are assessing damage after a water pipe burst at the Ohio State House. The pipe burst during freezing weather on Tuesday morning. Water poured into the Senate chamber as well as an adjacent lounge and other areas. Video footage shared on social media shows water falling from a ceiling onto an overflowing container and pulling across the patterned carpet of the empty Senate floor. According to building executives, efforts were underway to dry the building out. Next week's scheduled start of the new legislative session isn't expected to be affected. Preparations are underway for the annual Tournament of Roses Parade in Pasadena, California. For the 134th time, floats donned with thousands of flowers will travel through the city to bring in the new year. Entities Flinders Kingsley has the story. With beautiful colors and flowers, the Tournament of Roses Parade creates a spectacle for crowds of thousands throughout the city of Pasadena. But the chair of float entries, Steve Perry, thinks the route carries a deeper meaning, specifically the big turn onto Colorado Boulevard. So turning the corner means stepping forward, making that turn and looking down Colorado Boulevard and whatever you, whatever you want to succeed in, whatever your challenges have been, it's a new year, a new beginning and turning the corner, we're making a difference. Perry says some of the floats each have a minimum of 15 to 20,000 roses. They are brought in from California, Ecuador, Mexico, Thailand and Hawaii. But what is truly beautiful is what the floats celebrate. The Tournament of Roses elects ambassadors who serve on the Royal Court float. For Michelle Cortez Peralta, a princess on the float. It's a dream she had since she was a little girl, seeing the float roll through the city. The six girls are chosen from 28 finalists and receive a $7,500 scholarship. We've had a lot of uh, community engagement events, so we've all participated in different things, such as visiting hospitals, such as the City of Hope. But then we've also helped paint a house for a Habitat for Humanity, which, was which is going to house a veteran family. The parade will be held on Monday, January 2nd, as the event has a no Sunday rule that was implemented in 1893 to accommodate church services. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. Former world number one Novak Djokovic was spotted practicing in Australia for the upcoming Australian Open. Djokovic was deported from the country for not taking the COVID-19 vaccine last January. The 35-year-old missed his opportunity to play the 2022 Australian Open after being removed from the country on the eve of the event. 
Since the cancellation of his visa, all COVID-related border restrictions have been removed in Australia. This includes the requirement to provide evidence of vaccination to enter the country. The Serbian was granted a visa in November and arrived in Adelaide on Tuesday. Djokovic will be attempting his 10th Australian Open victory. Up next, some advice on how to keep your New Year's resolutions. We spoke to a psychiatrist. Stay tuned. Just a few more days and we will be celebrating the New Year. For everyone who has some New Year's resolution but is anything like me and has trouble keeping them sometimes, I spoke to a psychiatrist. Joining me now to help us be more successful with our New Year's resolution is Mark Golston, who is a psychiatrist. Good to see you, Mark. Good to see you, Evelyn. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And maybe, let's start with this, maybe it all starts with making resolutions. What should we consider when we make New Year's resolutions? Well, when you make a resolution, you want to make sure that it's realistic as opposed to just reasonable. Reasonable set is, oh, it makes sense. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to uh, diet. But it's not reason. It, that may sound reasonable, but realistic is what's likely to happen. So select resolutions that are likely to happen. Uh, and, you know, sometimes once I have that, sometimes I find it hard to stick to it all the time. At least for me, I start making little exceptions. And I think that's really the point where it starts going downhill, downhill more and more exceptions. So any tips there on how to stay disciplined and focused? So a couple tips, uh, and, and the tips are using the power of love and the power of wanting to uh, honor people that you respect. So let me ask you, <clears throat> if you were to make a resolution and reach out to someone that you really care about, maybe a parent who's not taking good care of himself or herself, and say, I'd like your help with something. Uh, I want to change this about myself, and I need your help to motivate me. And if I knew that you were doing something that would help you, help you to be healthier, because I worry about your health, if I knew that when I was having trouble keeping that resolution, I knew you were keeping the resolution to take better care of yourself, I think that would motivate me. And so can we make a trade? It's kind of what they use in 12 steps. You, you want to seek out a sponsor. So that's the love part of it. The esteem part of it is if you can think of someone that you really respect and admire, someone from your past or your present, maybe a former professor or a producer, and you reach out to them and say, uh, your uh, esteem for me matters. And I'm wanting to keep a commitment to something. And I'd like to tell you what it is. And every month or two, you don't have to remember what it is. You could say, Evelyn, what was that thing uh, that you said you'd do? How are you doing with that? The last thing I would want to do is disappoint you. I had, I, I had mentors like that. And I would never tell them I was going to do something unless I was 150% sure I was going mm. to do it. And that sounds great because it feels like you, while you are keeping your resolution, you're helping somebody else do that same, do the same. So that's awesome. Um, now, what are the three most important things to keep in mind throughout the year, keeping the resolutions? Well, uh, the first one, as I told you, is, is make it realistic as opposed to just reasonable. Uh, 
make it something that uh, that on uh, January 1st, 2024, you'll say to yourself, I can't believe I finally did such and such. So sometimes it's easier to look into the future and then look back and say, I can't believe that this was the year that I finally got my health in, in, uh, uh, in control. I can't believe this was the year I finally wrote that book I've been saying I was going to write. Uh, <clears throat> and then the, the third thing is uh, if you fall off the wagon and you don't do it, instead of beating up on yourself, maybe think of one of those mentors. Uh, for me, I had eight mentors. They've all passed away. And imagine them saying, Evelyn, you can still do it instead of beating up on yourself. Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, fingers crossed for, for all of us that we can make it this year. Thank you so much, Mark Golston. I appreciate it. Thank you. We're going to check in January 1st uh, next year. Please do. Please do. <laughs> Good advice there. Yeah, Do definitely. you have any New Year's resolutions? I do. My resolution is to get better jokes. Oh, uh, and here's okay. why. Okay, Evelyn, what do you, what do you call it? Okay, yes. What is a New Year's resolution? Something that goes in one year and out the other. Good. <laughs> Where do you go to practice math on New Year's Eve? I don't know. Times Square. Uh-huh, okay. Okay, why do you need a jeweler, a jeweler on New Year's Eve? I don't know. To ring in the New Year. Okay, okay. I'm really looking forward to this one. Anyway. <laughs> I'll work on it. Okay, yeah, fingers crossed. Is it realistic, though? I don't know. I don't know either. We'll see, I guess. That's it for today. Write us at goodmorning at ntd.com. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.